Jones, you're at the Boss Man Show. We're going to take a little break from our Falcons and Cowboys talk to talk to Kurt Heatland of ProBasketballTalk.com. He sports Kurt. How's things going with you, man? It's going well. How you been? Hey, man, I've been good. It would be better if the Falcons were a little bit better. We know the Hawks <laughs> are tanking, but the Falcons are playing better. We'll, be, we'll have a okay life in ATL, man. It, it, it could be worse, man. You're still in a good part of the country, man. You got there right. You got there right, buddy. Let's get Kurt. I tell you what, Jimmy Butler saga is finally over. Tom Thibodeau, Scott Lane, went until they finally made the move to trade this guy. Now, the residual effects of this move, Kurt, has the team is on. Are they going to expect Thibodeau going forward, or is he a dead coach walking after this move with Butler? After how he handled it from training camp till the trade on Saturday? No, uh, he. I think he was the dead coach walking almost before that, to be honest with you. There was a lot of questions. I mean, people – I know it's been reported a few places. I don't think people realize, like, how close Glenn Taylor, the owner, came to letting Thibodeau go this summer because he knew how bad the locker room situation was. And, you know, especially as as um, as you came to him and said, man, I would, I've been telling him all summer to trade me. And, and the owner had no idea. So it was – it got ugly – for a while, I think he's in a lot of trouble. I mean, maybe if they resoundingly like make the playoffs and make some sort of little run, but right now it's hard to picture that um, it would change it around. But he's in a lot of trouble. And remember, the other part of this is what he, he changed the trajectory of this building team. I mean, remember they gave up Chris Dunn, Zach Levine, uh, the pick that became part of you know a, a swap pick that became Lloyd Markkinen uh, to do this, like. They, he went from slowly building this team to, man, we're going to win now. We're going to change this around. We're going to make the playoffs. And it's a mess. And there's a lot of things that got to happen. It's got it's got Carl Anthony Towns has got to do a better job. He's got, he can't be as timid. He's got to step up and make this his team. There's some other stuff. You know, I, don't, I don't know what they're going to do with Wiggins. Um, but at the end of the day, Thibodeau's going to take a fall for this because he, he changed the course of this team. And then, you know, hey, they made the playoffs last year, but – I don't know if I'd, I don't know which trajectory. I don't know if changing his trajectory and everything he did made this franchise better. Yeah, I think he made it worse, and I feel for for my guy Robert Covington, home with the school with oh, yeah. shoes, legs. I feel bad for Sarge's legs and Derrick Rose and Jeff T's legs. He's gonna wear them <laughs> out in his last days in Minnesota with the Tito Timbo Miles. Yeah, exactly. It's gonna be. I, you know, the funny thing is, I think I think your boy Covington can play well there. I think that actually, he, there's a lot of ways that he could fit with. With you know, being the three and D wing with Towns is actually a good fit. They just you know, I, I don't know if Thibodeau is the coach for that. I think that that's the team where I don't know that you're going to see a Milwaukee Bucks type of leap, but you bring the right coach in that gets everybody buying in better, and you suddenly see a leap. Now, Kurt Butler with Sixers, uh, just by default, they have to resign this guy to a five-year, one hundred ninety million dollar deal. They can't let him walk, so he'll he'll be there. But Joel Embiid is a kind of a personality. Him and Ben Simmons are kind of opposites per se. How's that going to work chemistry-wise with those three guys, Butler, Embiid, and Simmons? And how's it going to affect Markel Fultz, who's already confidence already shaken and broken and fired his yeah. Drew Hanlon, his trainer? I, 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 I don't know how to do At this point, um, you know, he should start texting Lonzo Ball and Brandon Ingram because they all got thrown in the stick. You know, we're throwing you in the deep end, sink or swim. Like, you're going to do this now or never. Yes. Um, and I don't know how he's going to be swimming. Like, honestly, I just – at this point, you've – and they've got to consider trading him. But honestly, to get the kind of – at this – no, the Sixers are a win-now team. The, that This is the death of the process. 
with Jimmy Butler there, does his window, I mean, he's going to turn 30. He's going to sign a five-year deal. To be honest with you, the last couple of years of that deal are going to be trouble. Their window is this season. Two oh, or three God, after it's it. terrible. It's going to be, I mean, the end of that contract is going to be, like you were saying, it's Tom Thibodeau miles. It's, it's, look, let's put it the other way. These aren't driving around city miles. These are off-road miles on that guy's body. And he's, he's going to, you know, I, I, the last couple of years of that deal are going to be harsh. You know, a, you're right. You don't, that doesn't get done without a handshake agreement for the five years, 190. Um, I, I don't think he's giving him a discount on the back end of that because he knows. Uh, it's just going to be, I, I, I you know, I, I think that they've got to win now. Fultz doesn't really fit with that. But honestly, if they, they're going to try to trade him, if they want to get a veteran who helps them now, they're going to have to throw a pick in there because uh, there's not much value with Fultz right now. If I'm Brooklyn or somebody, I might take him on. I don't, I'd say Atlanta, except I think you're kind of happy with your point guard. Like, um, yeah, <laughs> but, <laughs> I got to see him out here in LA. He looked great. You know, had that great little run at the end and stuff. But I, I, if if I'm a team, I might with a good development program, I might take him on. But I'm not giving you much back. Like I don't, I don't need it. You know, I'm not, I'm not surrendering a lot. I think Coach Bud will be good for him, Kurt. I think Coach Bud will be good for him. No, Coach actually, we can play. We're trying to develop again. Um, you know, Milwaukee. You know, they've got. They might be happy to bring him in and think about him long term and develop him, but. What are you giving up? I mean, honestly, you're gonna have, if you're going to get back a veteran of any decent value from them in that deal, you're going to have to throw a pick in too because I'm not honestly full time. It's just a trade value. You got the right, and I don't know. Maybe that injury was that bad, but in college he could shoot. He could shoot in college. Oh, I, mean, I mean, I know he has the years, the, the years now, but what what made him go so south now? That is that is someday there will be a thirty for thirty. Uh, you know, I'm. I, it, there's a million theories out there, whether it's the injury led to a change in the shooting form, whether it's his trainer before Drew Hanlon, uh, the one before that, that switched his shooting form and was trying to get a quick release. Whatever happened, he went from, I mean, you can go, you know, the great thing about YouTube, man, you can go back and look at his college shooting form and you're like, damn, kid can shoot a jumper. Like, it was, it's not Ray Allen, but it's it's fine. Like, he's got good form. He could shoot off the move. That was part of the attraction to him. And whatever changed and then started to get in his head, it went sideways, and now you watch him. I mean, you watch. I mean, you watch the free throw. <laughs> I mean, that, he, yeah, the pump yeah, fake throw. That's a full like, double clutch free throw. It's he is on head again, and I don't. You know, again, I think if you got him a trainer with like functional mobility trainer, like one of those guys who can help you build this thing for the ground. I believe like, well, he's probably a great player in there, or at least a good player in there somewhere. Man, it's a lot of work. <laughs> you got to have a franchise that can and is willing. To- now, Curry, I'm going to tell you this. I was actually in Memphis on Saturday to see Robert Covington play. So I was yeah. there when it went down. I <laughs> saw firsthand how it went down. So I saw folks make that great dunk against Memphis on Saturday night, but I'm like, this guy's shot. You know, yeah. I was kind of dejected because my friend got traded away from the Sixers. I came to Memphis to see him play, and he got traded away. So yeah. that whole day was weird for me because I was with Rob, and I saw how, how, how he reacted to it. You know, it was just it was just not good for how he reacted to it. But seeing folks up close personal, I'm like, this dude is, he's, he's a head case. I don't know what yeah. to say, but the guy is just shot to me. Yeah, he's, I, like I said, you could get there, I think, with, like, maybe the player's still in there, but, you know, Coach, like you said, I think Coach, but a good idea. There's some other guys out there, some other programs out there, but it's, you know, Utah has this, everybody sleeps on Utah. They got a heck of a developmental program out there, man. They can, Rudy Gobert. Hey, remember, remember Quinn was here in Atlanta with, yeah. on the undercoach bud. Yeah. So remember yeah. he was here. So yeah. Quinn, I know he know he's doing. So, but he's got to go somewhere like that where they know what they're doing, and there's just not going to be pressure on him to do it for a while, like where he can live. in. that's not Philly. Again, Philly's Philly's full on win now. 
uh, and, and win now fast. I mean, look for them to make moves. I, you know, Corver rumor is out there and stuff. They've got to make moves. They've got to, that roster doesn't have enough shooting and doesn't have enough depth to get by Toronto or Boston or, frankly, Milwaukee right now. Hey, I would throw in uh, maybe a Kent Bazemore or Dwayne oh, Edmond. You can have them. I saw that I, I was out uh, Sunday night out here in LA watching uh, the Hawks, um, the, the Hawks again, the Lakers in, in that game. And I tweeted out during the middle of it. I'm like, like Kent Bazemore is going to make somebody really happy when they trade him. He's not cheap. I mean, he's making like, I think 19 and change next year. So I mean, that's the, that's the, the harder part of moving him. But if you're a team like Philly, I mean, it's a lot of money to absorb, but Bazemore is exactly the kind of guy you need who can defend and hit the three, can just do a lot of little things. That is the same thing Like once he gets right uh, and healthy. Like, there's just, just guys who can help you out, and they can bring back some value to Atlanta. I would do Chandler and Muscala for Bazemore if I was the Sixers and Elton Brand. Yeah, maybe. I would um, do that, dude. Right now, they've got to get they got to get Chandler healthy and see what they got. Because right now, honestly, they're going to lean on him a lot. He's got to be that fifth starter. Um, and they're kind of a, a key, a key point for them. But I'd rather, I'm with you. I'd rather have Baysmore. Um, I I, it would be interesting to see what Philly does because they got to be ultra-aggressive now. That they, and by the way, they took some cap space just because they've got some money that's been going in the summer just because Joel Embiid and um, Simmons aren't on their max bill they will have soon. You know, Embiid doesn't kill next year. Simmons is 2020. they got this summer to spend money, and they've got to spend it. Yes, indeed. Now, that's why I hit you, Curry, is this. Mello and the Rockets. Now, <laughs> when I first heard this deal, I figured in my head, him and Mike D'Antoni is like, it's kind of going to an X where you know they're scarring there and you really can't, this issue's going to pop up again, they're bubbling over again, it's going to come up in your face. And I feel like this is old scar tissue from D'Antoni and Mello coming up. D'Antoni, yeah, because Chris Paul and Hardy wanted him, he, he signed off on it, but Mello doesn't fit D'Antoni's system. They work, they work in New York, it wasn't working in Houston, but I like he's being scapegoated right now. It's not his fault they can't defend. They didn't sign a reason. Oh, no. Bob Mute, you bring in MCW and these guys who are just not those two defenders. So I feel like he's been scapegoated, but it's not his fault, but the Rockets are, are flawed because they let guys go from last year. Exactly. Here's the problem. You're you're spot on, and I've been writing this too. He's not the root cause of their problems. Like he is not why they're bad, but he also doesn't fix any of it. It's the other problem. It's like exactly. Yeah, I mean, he, he they're they have not shot well well until their last game when they finally did um, on Sunday was it Sunday night or Monday night. They finally started knocking down threes, but before that. Yeah, they've really Chris Paul's been shooting under thirty percent, thirty I think under thirty percent. They just haven't shot the three ball well. Well, that's great, but Carmelo doesn't doesn't do that. I've seen again another team I've seen in person out here in LA a couple times. They don't communicate on defense like they did last year. They're not on the same page. Maybe bringing back Jeff Bedell, the uh, you know they, they backed up the Brinks truck to bring him out of retirement. Um, they maybe they start getting back to that, but they you know their defense has some serious flaws. And like you mentioned, not having a Trevor Reason and Bob Ute, two personal veterans, but Carmelo again doesn't solve that problem. He just makes he just he just makes it worse. So I, I that's a weird situation, and it's one of those things where I feel bad because I don't like saying bad things about Carmelo Anthony. He's a future Hall of Famer, man. He is he is an all you know ten time All Star, six time All NBA, gold medalist, I think two times NCAA champion, and honestly for about a five year stretch in the middle two thousands. Probably as good a scorer as there was in the league, man. He could just go get buckets. He was never terribly efficient, but the guy could get buckets. And that said, his games moved away from him, and the, he's the 
opposite right now of the guy you got in Atlanta and Vince Carter. Because you watch Vince Carter and he's mentoring Trey Young and he's playing a role and he's still making yes, plays. He he's, make, he's still making plays. I mean, he can still get out there, but he knows who he is and what he is. And he's accepted that now. And he's like, this is how I can help this team. Carmelo can't do that. He just can't mentally. He wants to be he, – he, I guess the word I'd use – actually, the word is somebody, somebody closer to the situation. He reminds me of he Iverson, Kurt, in Memphis. He reminds me of Iverson in Memphis yeah, in Detroit exactly. where he was not himself anymore, but yeah. he still believes he's still that guy, and he yeah. would not step, take, a, take a step back. That is exactly it. I mean, he, like I said, the guy close to the team used the word entitled with me. He's like, he's entitled. He feels like he should be treated with deference. And by the way, if you've got a number one type of guy, if you've got James Harden or Chris Paul on that team and they want to sit down with the coach and like, man, I don't think I'm being used right and you've got to do this and that, you can sit down with those guys. You, you know, if you're Atlanta, you sit down with Trey Young if he's feeling that way because talent's hard to come by. Elite talent's hard to come by. There's not that many of those guys. You make them happy. Carmelo's just not that guy anymore. And if you're the number seven guy in the conference, on the team, and he's probably about where he is, he's probably not the seventh best guy on that team at this point, and you're, you've got a problem with your role, then you better fix it. <laughs> you better figure out how to accept it or play so well they've got to play you more because the team isn't bending over backwards for you anymore. You get out there right there, Kurt. Last one, I got one more for you before you go here, Kurt. Where, if the, when, when they finally release him, Where's his home? I can't find well, him one uh, right now. I can't find him one. I, I wrote this morning, expect this to drag out a while, um, because I'm not sure. I, I have, I've spitballed this with people around the league. I will say um, I know that people bounced the – because LeBron is in L.A., clipped the Los Angeles idea I was out there. I know, and I'm know i not the first person to report this, but I will say that's not happening um, from the people I talk to. The one name I kind of heard, like just as a fit on paper, is Miami, but I'm not sure that Pat Riley wants to go there. Um, they they certainly are a team that needs a jolt, and you know he can't again. I think there's some things Carmelo could do, but I don't. He doesn't solve a lot of it. He doesn't completely solve their problems. They just if they're searching, grasping around for answers, he can do stuff. Um, but I'm not sure where else because if I've got a young team, I'm, like, I'm Atlanta or I'm Orlando or I'm in, you know anywhere Brooklyn. I'm not taking minutes away from young guys I want to develop and touches away from young guys I want to develop so that I can get Carmelo Anthony in there. And if I've got a championship team, he just proved to me he can't fill a role. So where does that leave you? Like a couple of teams floating around the middle that may get desperate, but it's not many options. Exactly. And at this point, and I hate to say this, I would say Pat McCollum goes to say state if he ever signs, like if he gives, if he ever wises up, Curry signs his contract over Melo right now in Golden yeah. State. You know I would what, take Melo over McCall right now. Yeah. I'll tell you, by the way, you know what my goal is? You know what my dream is, though? I want him to go to Washington. What's that? I want him to go to the Wizards. Because if you're going to have a train wreck, let's just go all out with the train wreck. Let's oh, yes. Dwight Howard the there. Oh, <laughs> Dwight Howard, Carmelo, yes. Anthony. Let's just throw the, all of it together and see what happens. Yeah, that'll, that'll be like the Jailblazers 2.0, maybe. Exactly. <laughs> hey, Kurt, good to talk to you again, buddy. Look forward to seeing you. I'll be All-Star Weekend in Charlotte. Hopefully, maybe I'll see you then. I, I know I, the Hawks come back out there to, to play the, the Clippers, I think, soon. So we, I'm coming out on that trip for sure. So hopefully I'll catch you then, man. I, I, when you're out here again, I'd love to. And uh, if you're out here with them, that'd be fun. And also, yeah, definitely. Just go to Charlotte. I find there'll be barbecue joints. I'll be in one of them. Like he... <laughs> <laughs>
Yes, indeed. Hey, get this. Hey, thanks for short, Kurt. It's a long a drive for me, not a flight, a drive oh, on the nice, I-85. Nice. So I can, I will be there in, in full effect that whole weekend, buddy. All right, I look forward to it. I'll see you there. Oh, hey, Kurt, have a good one, folks. It's Kurt Healing on the Boss Man Show. It's maybe the night that my dreams might let me know. All the stars are closer. All the stars are closer. Tell me what you're going to do to me. Confrontation ain't nothing new to me. You could bring a bullet, bring a sword, bring a morgue, but you can't bring the truth to me. Alexa, play Kendrick Lamar and Scissor. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. All right, folks, back here on the Boss Man Show, joined by the coach of the Fisk Bulldogs in Nashville, Kenny Anderson. Coach, how are things over there at Fisk, man? Coming along, man, just uh, grinding. You know, it's a process, so just got to keep practicing, getting these guys to play the right way, play together. It's going to take some time. Now, Coach, I want to ask you all, what brought you to Fisk? I, I, I knew you about you from Don Mega. I knew about you from that from him, but uh, I knew you was doing some things with him. But what brought you to Fisk, man, to get you in the coaching up there with the, the Bulldogs, man? You know, I was I was, I was doing travel ball. You know, I yeah. retired. Me and my partner Bobby Parker, we have a gym out in Tampa called the Clinic Sports Performance Gym. I've done a lot of stuff out of there, clinics, camps. Uh, then I got my uh, travel ball program, South Florida Elite. Was doing that for seven years you know, under the, you know, my guy from New York, Far Rockaway, Lou, Louis Velvez, you know, from uh, from um, New York, but he lives in Coral Springs, Florida. So I've been giving back to the youth for you know since I retired, and I just wanted to pay it forward. And I thought this was a good opportunity for me to do that, and it, this is great for me on the NI, NAI level, independence. You know, I, it's gonna make me a better coach, a better mentor, a better leader. It's going to help me out. I'm just, I'm, I'm thrilled. I'm, I'm, I'm excited about it. It's going to be some work, but you know, you can I always. Just, I say this all the time. You can't complain, you know, about stuff you sign up for. So you know, I'm yeah. all in, man. You got there right. Hey, Fisk is a, a great school. Now, Coach, I went to Downstreet TSU down, down down the road there. So I'm mm-hmm. all about Fisk, and I hang on the campus all the time. I shouldn't have, but I was. <laughs> but you know, I was yeah. a young, a young, a young boy doing that. But Fisk has a lot to offer. A lot of his history, and I feel like you can sell that to players to come to being a good city like Nashville, come to HBCU, get, get a good education, and go on with their life being a great ball player or a great businessman or a sociologist, wherever they want to go, where they want to go, they have you as a mentor to lead them in that direction. Oh, man, great. You know, you, 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 that's what it's all about, um, you know, just being a leader. And uh, the school is already fine academic institution. The president, Kevin Rome, comes in. He's trying to build a good – sports program and me to be the face and one of the guys that help it man it's a challenge and if i could do this you know hypothetically 10 years from now five years from now and this stuff is built and and i leave or whatever whatever happened if i leave and it's in a better it's in a better place i did my job but i'm living in the moment man i i, I just you know i'm excited for, for 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 this to teach me so I'm not sure what I happen. And I might be for 20, 20 years, 10 years, five. It doesn't matter to me. I'm just going to be in here coaching, uh, mentoring, leadership, and just enjoying the ride, man. Now, Coach, uh, now being from going from 
the travel ball circuit to the NAI circuit. So how adjust for is your practice plans, trying to get guys in classes, trying to get guys ready to go to handle being a student and athlete at the same time. So what's the difference between doing that and being in here at Fisk now going forward? Well, I, you know, Dr. Glover has been here many years. He was the ex-coach here. He's the, the athletic uh, academic, excuse me, the AD here. He's been navigating me through all the process. He's been a great help for me. That's, that's something, you know, that's going to, it's a grind, you know, as far as the classes, get these guys to, to buy in, not only, you know, to sports, but also, you know, getting going, getting up in the morning, going to class and, and, and just, you know, teaching them about life lessons. So, you know, that's, that's a process, man. This, this whole thing is a process and um, it's, uh, it's going okay right now, but it's a process and I got to just, you know, stay the course, and uh, it's my first year. I inherited this team, and none of my recruits. So I just kind of, you know, see what happens. Now, when it comes to recruiting, coach, now on the NAI level, do you recruit JUCO guys? Or, yeah. Because how, how's it all working on that level? I'm, I'm in the process of, 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 of putting guys together that's, you know, going to fit my program. You know, I'll talk to them, sit down with them. The eye test is very important, not just the video as far as they can play, but the meetings and see if they, you know, commit themselves, you know, to the fifth uh, way of things. I'm just trying to build something here, build a good culture, build build, build a winning atmosphere, and, uh, you know, go from there. Now, during practice, Coach, do you get out there with them in drills and that get them kind of real to play against you in practice? I don't, I don't, I don't play against them in practice. I, I might do a couple of drills for them to, <laughs> to instruct to tell them what, what's going on. But uh, those guys are very – they're in decent shape. They'll run circles around me. But um, I'm just, you know, I, I told them this year, I said, listen, I'm going to get in shape. By the end of the year, I'm going to surprise them, and I'm going to go out there and run up and down with them and, and see if I still got it. I think you do, Coach. I think you still got it, man. I, I, I got saw it. You. I just got to be in better shape. <laughs> yeah, oh, yeah. Hey, did I say them boys, them young boys, they're running. You yeah. right. They got the young adrenaline injury. They just gone on out the court. They can Running around all day long without these days, man. I know what you mean. Now, now, Coach, for your scheduling, uh, do you want to have a tough non-conference schedule for your guys to, to, to test them going forward? Do you want to kind of, you know, give them some easy wins, give them some confidence? So what's your approach to kind of scheduling here going forward now that you're the head man at Fisk? I want to I wanna have both. You know, I'm trying to go after my school, some of these big programs. You know, Penny's is at Memphis. I went to Georgia Tech. Chris Mullen is at St. John's, so I want to play some of those some of those big time programs, so they can fund you know my program. You know, what I mean, it'll be a great look for me to do those type of things with my connections, but just a mixture of uh, competition and stuff like that would be great. Now, in your playing career and your post playing career, who have been some coaches, individuals who you who you've picked their brains about how to get into this business, how how you want to approach and help you kind of form your view of coaching going forward for yourself here at Fisk and beyond. I always talk to my old coach, Bobby Crimmins, who coached me at Georgia Tech, and uh, he's given me some great advice. You know, a good friend of mine, I met him, you know, late, you know, Darren Walker, who was at Little Rock, Arkansas, he was at Clark, Atlanta. It's good to talk to coaches on this level that you respect. And he's one of the guys I respect, Darren Walker. He was at Clark Atlanta uh, for four years, did a hell of a job. So you know, I've always tried to get, I just try to get some information from him, how to build this program, and uh, you know, it, it's uh, got so many coaches I can go to, but it, I got, I want to go to 
the coaches that I feel that's going through what I'm going through, you know? Exactly. And like you said, I feel like, you know, more HBCUs should play each other. I feel like they yes. would help up, uplift yep. them all together because build some more rivalries. Because, too, like even my school, Tennessee State, we're in the OVC. We don't really get to yeah. play in HBCUs other than you guys. Yeah. We decide to play you guys each year, you know. But I yeah. feel like there should be more non conference trying to bring us, bring those schools up. Because I feel like the traditional HBCUs and what how black college football and black basketball could be, it could just be a lot of experience and bring us all yeah. up together at the same time. Yeah, I, I, we were trying to get into that Morehouse Clark. You know, we're trying to go Division Two next year, so we're going to be playing Morehouse and Clark a lot and some other teams. So we'll see. Uh, I think we all, HBCU, should be all playing against each other. That would be great to have a form, all of us in, a, in one conference. But you know, it takes money, and you know how they treat the HBCUs, like stepchilds, you know what I'm saying? Exactly. So, you know what I'm saying? So you just got to deal with it. Yeah, man. Then they, then they don't want to really pay on the on them money games. They don't want to really pay them, but yeah. they pay some yeah. other schools. <laughs> yeah. yeah, definitely. <laughs> yeah, because uh, you know I've been I've been in the office with Tennessee State with Dana Ford, Travis Williams. I've seen them try to get games done. And how hard they had to do, and just, just just trying to pull teeth to get something done. You know, so yeah, I, I, understand, I understand that coach for, for real, man. Let me ask you this now: This should have been head coach. Here in, in up there in Nashville, talk to me about the city of Nashville itself. How, how has it been treating you over there in Nashville? You enjoying the hot chicken, the barbecue, the ambiance? How you yeah. how you liking up there in Music City, man? Yeah, I, I love it, man. It's uh, a lot of chicken spots, and I love chicken barbecue <laughs> spots. I love barbecue. I don't. I'm not a big barbecue guy, but I deal with it. There's a lot of things going on here. It's a lot of big time schools here: Vanderbilt, Belmont. I, I'll pick. And what's great about it, I'm a head coach. You know, I know Drew uh, Bryce Drew over at Vanderbilt. Um, Coach Crimmins introduced me to Coach Bird over at Belmont. He, you know, Coach Bird is a legend here in Nashville at Bur- at uh, Belmont. I'll be going to his practices, picking his brain. So it's a great situation for me. You know, um, it's just going to take some time. You know, I've been retired down in Florida, so you know, I played in the league, so I've been all over the world. But this uh, this is my first time really away from Florida. You know, and in, in, in many years, about 14 years. So just trying to get used to being away from Florida. I miss the weather. I miss my little comfort zone. But, you know, it's a, it's a, it's a, it's a great saying. You know, you have to be, uh, you have to get uncomfortable to get comfortable. And, um, you know, that's just what I'm going through right now in the whole process of coaching, new environment, new people to meet, new, it's just, you know, I'm at 48, 48 years old. Sometimes, you know, you know, you've been stuck in your own ways. It's, it's kind of, you know, hard to break out, but I have to. And um, I'll be fine. I love it. I love the small, quaint, uh, every, all the staff, people here at FIS. It's just a great family, you know, environment. So it's awesome. Now, Coach, let me ask you, how, how many times have you been to my favorite spot, Knockout Wings, on Jefferson? I, you know what? I pass that place all the time. I ain't been there yet. I ain't Coach, been there. The Cajun I Wings. Meet it. 12-piece Cajun wings with a biscuit. You're going to love it, man. Trust me on that. that (laughs) Trust me (laughs) on that. (laughs) That was a hangout spot back in the day when I was on TSU. It was a hangout spot. Knockout wings. 
happened. Right down okay. the street there. So, yeah, man. That's what I got for you, Coach. Uh, see, Atlanta went to, school, went to school here. You know, you played with the Hawks for a year. How are you experience for you coming back home and into your career, kind of playing for the Hawks that one year? You played for the Hawks that one year. And how, was, how did Atlanta help Moses as, as a person for you to be who you are today? Yeah, it molded me. That's, I got better memories, you know, two years, of best two years of my life going to Georgia Tech, playing at Tech with Brian Oliver, Dennis Scott, Coach Cribbins, Malcolm Mackey. We still all friends to this day. Great friendship with Georgia Tech family. Um, you know, it was awesome. That's, that's where I grew up, my adulthood. And actually, I just left 2005, you know, to move to Florida. So when I went to school down there, I never left. So it, it was great going to Tech. You know, but the Atlanta Hawk thing was just—I ain't have nothing left in the tank. I was just, you know, like I said, I'm—I'm I'm 100. I keep it 100. I—I just was, you know, playing for a check. You know, I ain't have no more passion, you know, in me. You know, when I was with the Hawks, I, I just—I you know, didn't—I was just trying to uh, hang on. That was it, and that's what I, you know, gave it up in 2005. I said I don't want this no more. Lost the passion for it, you know, because of you know different reasons. Uh, you know, when you get older, up in age, um, minutes is not the same. You know, they play a lot of young guys. My whole desire changed, you know, as I got up there, you know, in years. I played 14 years. That was probably my 12th year or my 13th, I believe. I'm not sure. But I really didn't have nothing to take. You know, I just was happy to be back home in Atlanta, really. You know, that was my um, – that's all I did. I, You know, and then, you know, I just felt it. I knew it was coming because I really didn't really – didn't like going to practice. Didn't like doing. You know, I just like being in Atlanta. My my oldest daughter lived there, so it was good. I could be next to my kids. It was. It was. I was dealing with other things more than basketball. I really didn't care about it at the time. Now think about this, coach. You got Vince Carter, forty-one, with the Hawks, yeah. still balling. I'm like, he's amazing to me because I'm like, dude, I watched you when I was yeah. their age, and then I'm kind of a little older than they because I'm. 31 now he's 40 once like when we were talking to like well me and him talking about real so they talking about little kitty stuff we talking about real life stuff me and VC yeah. so it's, it's like it's crazy him until 20 some years in the game still out there doing it and contributing at a high level to a degree as well yeah my, my hat is off to those type of guys because it seems like he still have the passion I wouldn't have had the passion um, and he, t- he took care of himself you know his body's in shape so you got to give them type of guys a lot of respect and uh, he's one of the best that ever did it. But, uh, you know, I always ask. I know the money is decent and the money is good, but I always ask, why would these guys play this long, you know, with, with the situation he's in? Unless, you you know, you're going for a championship, you're on a contender. He's not even on a contender. And he's still out there playing. <laughs> he's playing and traveling and all this other stuff. I don't know if I had it in me. I wouldn't have had it in me that long. But yeah, that's why I said you got to respect it. Yes, indeed, with Coach. And that's how I'm going to hit you up, man. Come by, hopefully, see one of your practices, man. See you one of your games, man. But uh, I still have my home up there. I still come up there pretty often. So when I'm going to hit you up, Coach, we'll get right. a knockout when you till for real. I get I bring yeah. you some of my favorites <laughs> when I get to town, man. All right, my man. All right, Coach. Have a good talk to you real soon, brother. All right, thank you. No doubt. Right. Coach, Kenny Anderson on the Boston Show, people. Check him out at Fisk the Bulldogs. Till the tears run down from my eyes, Lord, somebody, ooh, somebody, can anybody find me somebody to love? Alexa, play hits from Queen. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. 
Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. All right, folks, back in the Jared, the Boss Man Show. Joe about Nicole Arabic of the Athletic College Football with me here in the Boss Man Show. Nicole, how are things with you today, man? Things are good. Just a little under the weather. It's that time of year, that time of the season. Where it all kind of catches up to you. Oh, yeah, I know what you mean about that. The weather is very up and down. You get, you know, it's it's going to get fall. The time changes. Everybody sneezing and coughing. And lo and behold, yeah. somebody you don't get yeah. it to. <laughs> so, yeah. Yep. I, I am in the middle of that right now. <laughs> well, I appreciate you toughing out for us on the Boss Man Show down here in the ATL. Now, Nicole, I wanted to ask you these questions about the college football playoff because, you know, down here in Georgia, University of Georgia is, is, is number five right now, but people trying to project whether or not they beat Alabama in the NCAA in championship game, will they get, will, they, will, will Alabama miss out or beat Michigan? So, if, let's do this, if Georgia beats Alabama in the championship game, in my opinion, Michigan will be out. But how do you feel about that? Would that be the, would Georgia get the fourth slide? Michigan will be looking at, looking in from the outside. Yeah, I think that that's probably assuming everything else kind of goes chalk. Um, that does seem pretty likely because I think you know a lot of people seem to think that Michigan does control some destiny here, but I don't because it's the exact scenario that you described. I think the committee has made it very clear that they think Alabama's a really really good football program and really good team and they have kept other teams that they beat in the rankings that kind of give them a safety net here mississippi state is still ranked lsu is still number seven which seems really really high for them so they're giving they're giving themselves a cushion that if alabama were to lose you could still make the case that they believe that they're one of the best teams in the country based on the teams they beat outside of georgia outside of the sec championship game you know, it, it would be something we haven't seen yet, but I think the committee has a ton of respect for Alabama and it has set up the situation around it to make it so. And because they respect Alabama so much, obviously Georgia beating them would obviously punch their ticket into the playoff there. Exactly. And Notre Dame is still holding on strong uh, right now at number three. Clemson is doing what Clemson does. I thought they was going to be in trouble after they lost Bryant, after he left the team, but they're still going strong in Clemson. So, Let's say the playoff is Alabama, Clemson, Notre Dame, and Georgia without Michigan. And I guess Alabama and Georgia would play that that first game, I would suspect, probably. And two or three will play Clemson and Notre Dame, right? And do you think that Georgia could beat them again if that was to go that way, if they played them twice? Or Nick Saban make all the adjustments to, you know, and <laughs> to make that happen? Do you believe Notre Dame can actually beat Clemson as well? Well, you know, I, I think they possibly would even, you know, kind of shake that up if those are the four teams that eventually get into this. Uh, you know, I don't, I don't necessarily think that um, that Alabama would still be number one in that scenario, or that, um, you know, that Georgia beating Alabama would keep them at four. I think then, you know, Notre Dame probably slides down to four because they don't have that extra data point uh, in the college football playoffs you know, view that they like those conference champions because they have that 13th data point. Um, so I think, I think you could have a scenario where you don't necessarily see that rematch um, right away if that's, if that's what ends up happening. But I do think, um, you know, I, I do think that overall the college football landscape and coaches and, you know, everyone that covers the sport and our athletic directors all the country, we really kind of think that we're headed back for another Alabama conference rematch here um, just because those two teams do seem to be kind of a head and shoulders above everybody else right now and you know it's just sort of been we've kind of convinced ourselves 
when Alabama is playing LSU or Mississippi State's defensive front or Clemson goes up against Boston College. And we convince ourselves that these are the toughest opponents and that they can really challenge them, and, and they don't. They don't come close to really pushing them. So I think that's part of the reason everyone kind of assumes, even if you have some teams in three and four spots that aren't good, that there's still probably a big gap between them and Alabama Clemson, which is which is why you know it is possible, certainly, that Georgia could beat Alabama, but Alabama is still going to be very heavily favored in that SEC title game. Now, Nicole, talk radio down here in Georgia has been talking about maybe they should go to 18 college football playoff. Personally, I would like that, not because I'm a Georgia fan, because I think 18 is better than four. So do you think that down the road, maybe 2020, 2021, 22, that we may get the eight game? And then someone like a UCF could get in there, because maybe you do all the power five as automatic qualifier who wins and wins the conference, the three at largest maybe, to get in, the, make it an 18 playoff. Or so everybody's represented per se in that playoff. Well, I think, you know, first off, in, in that hypothetical scenario you just outlined, with two SEC teams and Notre Dame, um, that would actually probably accelerate the push for expansion because you'd have the Pac-12, Big 12, and Big 10 all left out of the playoffs. And you know, these conferences and their commissioners, and they signed up for this knowing that there's four spots and five power conferences, but they did not they, – so they knew they wouldn't make it every year, but they did not anticipate, you know, one league getting multiple spots, Notre Dame taking a spot, and being this left out of this lucrative pie. So – I think that there are certain things like that that kind of make that push even more clear. I think what happened with UCF and the kind of public frustration last year of them not even being close enough to get into the mix, um, it frustrated people. But it obviously wasn't enough to really force that change right now. Um, you know, everyone I talk to who's involved in those decisions points to the fact that this was a 12-year contract that everyone signed. We're only year five. Um, but I, I do, I believe that the only way to make that change before the contract's up, because I do think that there will likely be expansion when the contract's up to six or eight or however, um, you know, people present that. But I do think, you know, before that, what could cause change would be more examples like this, where you have one conference getting multiple spots, Notre Dame taking spots away from people, and just these commissioners and these power brokers. Um, and powerful, you know, very lucrative leagues themselves not being a part of this playoff. I think that could change things. So ultimately, I do think there will be expansion. I do think, I think six makes a lot of sense with the top two getting a bye. Um, maybe you could have one for each power conference and then one at large spot. With, with eight, you can do that. and You can have a group of five champion spot. Um, you know, I think all of those ideas are certainly worth, uh, worth arguing, worth, worth contemplating. And, um, you know, I just think you would make it more interesting to have more people in the mix at this point in the year. I mean, right now, the pool is just so small teams that are actually going to have a shot to compete for a national championship. And I think expanding that, yeah, you have more flawed teams, but I think you would have more people interested in things like the weekly rankings and, and like the, the unveil on December 2nd. And then, Nicole, another thing I would propose maybe is a less of the bowl games because I feel like you should not be 5-7 and seven in a bowl game or a 4-8 or whatever you are. I don't think you should be a bug, be a bug game with a losing record 
or a, even at 500 to a degree. I think you should be having a winning record to earn, earn a bowl game. We got too many bowl games, I think, if you ask me. And a lot of schools I read lose money on the bowl games if they go to. So I know they want to have the bowl game to reward teams, but I feel like it's kind of do, it's so saturated now that it's not even the same anymore, and that's why I got to skip it because uh, I'm going to get hurt in this a random little bowl game in wherever the part of the world. But <laughs> why would I get rich myself? I get NFL draft coming up here in April. I'm going to get hurt for this. No, I'm going to stop. Right. I mean, I, I don't really have a problem with the amount of goals, but I, I totally agree with you that I think everyone should have a right to skip them if they believe that there is a risk of injury and they don't want to risk that with their NFL futures. I mean, I think you're going to see that with non – well, so far we've seen that with goals that are the, um, in the college football playoffs, so not those, you know, those, those semifinals in the title game. And, you know, the, the players who are playing in New Year's Six Bowls for the most part have played – because those are prestigious bowls. Um, but I, I do think, you know, you're seeing that on lower-level bowls, and I think the coaches and teammates and people understand that. You have one chance to make, you know, to, to get drafted and, and to really see what your value is in this sport after you're not being paid in college. And I think it makes all the sense in the world to do what's best for you. Um, I, I do think that people hopefully will stop criticizing those kids from doing that in general. But I think that the total, the idea of the amount of bowl games and the way that they exist and the TV inventory and the viewership numbers they get suggests that they're not really going to drastically change that because people watch, people care, people may not be going to games and schools may have to, you know, boost some money on that, but they go for the exposure and the experience for the players. And I just think, you know, until you see schools kind of saying no thanks because it's not worth it, they're going to keep doing it. Um, you know, we've seen some schools say, you know, if we're five and seven, we don't want to go. Or if, you know, it's just in a bad year, if you're like a Notre Dame, you don't want to go to some low tier bowl, like you say no. And I think that's fine. So right now we're basically at the school individual level where they can turn that stuff down. Individual players can decide not to play. Um, and I think that that kind of takes care of some of those issues. I, I, I think overall, though, the model will probably stay because people watch and people consume college football that way in December. And unless the ratings get terrible, I don't think you're going to see a drastic cutback on the amount of bowl games. And Nicole, now, this is a personal thing for me because Bobby Petrino left the Falcons high and dry. So I find it humorous mm-hmm. that he found out that he was fired on his own coaching show. <laughs> do you think he's finally done in coaching now? And do you think that Brian Brom is uh, going to take that job with Louisville and that he kind of got what he deserved for what he did to the Falcons and other places, how he left them high and dry? Well, I, I think that there's a lot of people who do not feel bad for Bobby Petrino um, in general <laughs> because of the way he's left different places. Um, a lot of Arkansas fans would probably agree with that too. And I think there's a lot of Louisville fans who were kind of were pleased to see him go and, and felt that, you know, was just, you know, they, they didn't like him personally and morally, and they didn't think that he even, um, you know, achieved what he should have with Lamar Jackson on his roster. So I, I, I don't think there's any love lost there. Um, I'm sure he will end up somewhere. You know, he, he is known for, you know, his, his offensive mind, and um, I'm sure he'll, you know, all, all these coaches, you know, end up getting recycled and landing other places. So I'm sure he'll be somewhere, um, probably you know, immediately at a lower level as a head coach, but, you know, I certainly at least as an offense coordinator. But I do think that Jeff Brom is the obvious choice for, for Google, and, and they're going to make a hard 
sell for him and they're going to go after him. And, and you're seeing, you know, this is, this is exactly very similar to what happened with Nebraska going after Scott Frost last year. You know, it's tough when these jobs open in the middle of the season and, and you're going through a season, you kind of have to answer questions about it. But they're saying, they're saying all the right things, just like Scott Frost did about, you know, Jeff Brom is saying, you know, he's happy where he is and he's building something where he is and, you know, they're in the middle of the season right now. And that's all you can really say in those situations. Um, but, you know, as long as Louisville can, can, can offer the kinds of money that Jeff Brom demands in the market, um, you know, it's going to be a really tempting offer. I think it's a very high likelihood that he wants to go home and, and you know, and go back to Louisville and do this there. Um, and so I think that's, you know, the, the hopes of a lot of Louisville fans and a lot of Purdue fans are very nervous about that because it does seem very similar to Scott Frost in Nebraska. And just there's that one place for everyone where if it opens, that's the only place you got to be worried and you know that you can't match. This is not about money. This is not about facilities. This is about home. And so I think that's what, you know, Louisville fans are really, really hoping that that pull to home is going to be enough to bring them back one of the most creative coaches in the game. Yes, indeed. Well, Nicole, our back. You did a great job in the Boston Mutual Report having you again real soon. I love the banter and conversation we had today in the Insight. All right, thanks for having me. All right, folks, that's Nicole Arbeck, Atlantic on the Boss Man Show. Check her out, people. Atlantic.com. My heart skips keeping the beach. You're not close enough, so that space between you and me, let's lose it. The way you're dancing, swaying to the music, girl, that body and how you move it. Every time you cross my mind, girl, I lose it. Alexa, play the Country Heat playlist. Okay. With Amazon Music, a voice is all you need. Get tens of millions of songs. Download the Amazon Music app today. All right, folks, back on the Boss Man Show. Time for Bad Takes with me and Jay Monique. Jay, what's good down in Florida where they got the recount going on? What's up, what's up, what's up? But yeah, they got the recounts going on down here. Yeah, the, the Republicans turning tricks again, I see, as always. <laughs> Yeah, apparently they were trying to, uh, uh, and I say allegedly because I don't want nobody coming back and, and saying, oh, Jay said this and Jay said that, or that Jay's falsely accusing people. But allegedly they were hiding back some of the provi- what's called the provisional vote. So those are the main things um, that need to be recounted. Mm, and I think hiding votes would be a bad take, I think. <laughs> Absolutely. I'm going to qualify as a bad take. Like, we don't do that. That's a terrible idea. Yeah, that's wrong. Which is wrong and unethical. Yes. Speaking, Jay, of wrong and unethical, I do not like when a service provider, such as a plumber, electric person, roofer, whatever, they cook the clock to get more labor, Jay. They oh, yeah, I can't stand that. They go slow to tick over the time to get more labor. And when yep. you see them take breaks, take smoke breaks, log their time, or work slowly, take alleged phone calls, you know, quote, look at the manual. Like, first of all, if you're if you're out on a call, why do you look at a manual? Truck, okay. Uh huh. So, 
service providers cooking the clock and Jay to me and, and running up the price. I think that's a fleecing of America, and that's bad business to fleece your customer by you deliberately going slow and making their tail be higher. Because my thing is, if you work faster and tap a lower, they'll maybe come to you again down the road. Not flag you got over them on them by cooking that clock by going slow or taking random unneeded breaks. Yep, exactly. They, they, they know what they're doing. And that's just like you said, that's bad business. That's unethical. It's just plain wrong. That That's not cool. They knew darn well that they can move faster, but they just choose not to because the longer that they're out there, the, the more they can bill you for. Exactly. It's just so. And also, you know what they do now, Jay? They put in refurbished parts. You don't even buy new. They oh no! Put in refurbished parts and charge you new part price. Oh no, that's wrong. If they're going to use refurbished parts, then they need to use the refurbished parts price. So they're marking up the labor and using refurbished parts. So, I because I one of the parts I saw on the service call is in my home. Said refurbished by this, some company on this date. You know what oh, the no. guy told me? Quote that means it's new. No, it is not. Yeah, refurbished doesn't mean new. It's uh, something that was already used, even if it was just used for just one day or one year. It doesn't matter. It's something that somebody else already previously owned, and they just you know fixed it up, made it look pretty. And you know, resold it to you. And what happens is, they sell these defective cores, and they rename, they rebuild these cores. Like, especially think about a car. Notice how people rarely ever buy a quote-unquote new alternator. It's always refurbished to a degree. Uh-huh. Don't put that in cars because a new one costs you your arm and leg. They get you the refurbished one. I'm sorry. I want to have new. If a new if a new Adele on arrival and fails on me, that's one thing. But I ain't trying to have no known or refurbished thing trying to sell to me as new. Are those refurbished? Okay, but don't try to tell me it's new and it's not. I saw it's not. Exactly. Keep it real. And I know a lot of listeners I had had the same issues with people. And get this. The this is a story I got zoomed. This is another thing I hate. They said they don't come between the hours of quarter 12 and 8. Why such a wide window? We'll be there between 12 and 8. So that means I have to block off half of my day for you to literally show up whenever you feel like it. Yeah, that's that's pretty much it. I don't understand it. Give me a time. Why is this weird-ass range of between 12 and 8? Nah, we ain't doing that, Captain. That's stupid. Yeah, we're gonna be between twelve and eight. What? And then show up. Yeah, that's too much time. They show up at five thirty. Wow. So 
you're that makes you spend all your day you'd be lost waiting on somebody to literally show up. And they do have delivery come at home depot delivering you a wash machine or a refrigerator between four and eight or twelve and six. Man, tell me a damn time. Like exactly. I get trying to cover your bases, trying to so you don't come off late. But you make people people mad when you do that crap. Cause you waste your whole day. Yep. Wait on these jabronis to show up and do their jobs. Why they trick all the eating, eating jack in the box, eating bonbons all day? Like for real? Between twelve and eight, twelve and six. Come on, Jay. This crap is stupid, man. It's stupid as hell. It is. And then they come to your house and want to be all. You got some water? Hell no, not for you. I've been waiting all day. I <laughs> care. I've been waiting all day. Oh, I'm thirsty. I'm never care. You thirsty? I don't care, sir. I'm thirsty, sir. I don't care. <laughs> it's like oh, man. It's, this guy is going like we want some water. It's bad. No, sir. You want some water? Go to the hose pipe. Get something there. Why? If I said so. You have bought a water on your on your counter. Yes, for me. It ain't for the alleged delivery guy. What do you mean? I, I'm a delivery guy, sir. No, you're an alleged jabroni. Get out of my face and deliver my damn product. Alleged jabroni. <laughs> yes. That's <laughs> <laughs> what you are. <laughs> Don't come in my home trying to demand I give you one of my bottle waters I bought from Publix. He will say you could have gave me some water. You could be on time. Right, I was just about to say that. (laughs) (laughs) You could not be a jabroni, but you are. You are a loser. You know why? You're a delivery man. You're not the man installed, you're the delivery guy. Not the installed man. You're just a do boy. Or nothing. A peon. A loser. Get off my property. Without you. Oh man, the amount of hatred you have for them. <laughs> Jay, I've I done accomplished today, Jay. I've done, I've done, today is my day has been doing nothing. That's been my day. Doing nothing. Cause there's no good jabronis. That's all I'm having. It's all good. It's all good. And also, Jay, I want to throw this in there too. Before we get out of here today. Another bad thing I, I came across. A woman told me she went back to her alleged boyfriend because, get this, he bought her furniture for her new apartment. She's trying to she tell went me, back to her ex because he bought her furniture for her apartment. And think that they're going to make they have a breakthrough because of it. So you trying to tell me this sucker went to, went to rooms to go and bought you a damn set or two. It's going to solve your problems. You talking about for, for months? You're not your damn mind. Okay. That does so not solve problems at all. <laughs> he spent all this money on me. He's all this money. Here. Rooms to go ain't that expensive. Exactly. I told her. You're moving out. He's trying to buy you by buying you furniture keep, to keep you in place. That's all a mental tactic. It's manipulation at its finest. And you follow him for it. Yep. So, 
when she called, comes me, Jay, with her. It, it didn't work out between us. I was like, yeah, because you fell for the okie doke. He bought your ass some damn furniture. You, you think it's going to work out between y'all two? Yep, My exactly. My man with the rooms to go and buy a few sets for. You hear me? And then she talking about, I think I'm going to play some Brazzle Skippy and Brazzle Skippy. Oh, what exactly did he buy? A front room set and a a, 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 a kitchen set and a bedroom set. Huh. It's it's messed up. So folks, this girl crazy. Bad takes crazy, and as we say, Jay on every show, as always, bad takes get even worse takes here in life and on the boss man. So people, have a great day. Jay and I'll be back next week. We are out. For all your photo, video, and voiceover needs, check out the fine folks at Blu-ray Productions. They will take good care of you. If you don't believe me, you can see for yourself. Check out their work at blueberryproductions.tv, the Facebook page, Blueberry Productions, also a Vimeo page, a YouTube page, and it's Blueberry, B-L-U-B-E-R-R-Y, Prod on Twitter. Check them out today. Blueberry Productions, Great people, great work, great service. Hey there, your yard took a real beating this summer. Luckily, Scott's Turf Builder Winter Guard has your back. Just feed your grass with Scott's again this fall when the air is cool and the soil is warm. It's the perfect time to give your lawn a boost. If you do, WinterGuard will give your yard the nourishment it needs to help weak, thin grass recover and support root growth, giving you a greener, more resilient lawn both now and next spring. Guaranteed. Grab a bag of Scott's Turf Builder Winter Guard today. You'll be back to barbecuing in no time. This is a Scott's Yard. Hey, parents. We all try to be extra careful with our children in the car, but then we get an important call or text. Remember, our children are watching. Make every drive a good example. Be in the zone. Turn off your phone. Visit childrenshospital.vanderbilt.org slash BITZ to learn more about our teen driver safety program. Brought to you by Monroe Carroll Jr. Children's Hospital at Vanderbilt, the Ford Motor Company Fund, and the Allstate Foundation. Hello, my name is Travis Williams, President and CEO of Academics and Athletic Consultant, focused on educating and empowering tomorrow's collegiate athletic leaders. My passion is for the education and genuine concern and care for today's student-athlete. It's the centerpiece of my life's work. A college education, both in and out of the classroom, is a truly rewarding benefit. For more information on AAC, you can go to www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com. Once again, www.academicsandathleticsconsulting.com. Or you can follow me on Facebook at Academics and Athletic Consulting or Twitter at Coach TWheel24 or Instagram Travis L. Williams24. Or you can call me at 404-542-607. Once again, AAC is very proud to partner with J.R. McHenry of the Bossman Radio Show covering sports and entertainment across the country. Please tune in weekly for informative, entertaining, and expert analysis on today's sports and entertainment topics. Thank you.